Job chapter 1. If you don't know where the book of Job is, if you go to the center of your Bible, you should be somewhere around Psalms, Proverbs. Hang a left, and uh, Job is just before the book of Psalms. Okay? I have a question for you right out of the gate. What do you think of when... The, what's the first thing that pops in your head when you think of Job? Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Suffering. Anybody else? Okay. 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 Well, that's okay. That. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have quite gone there, but yeah, I. I get it. Yeah. Extreme grief. Okay. Yes. He never cursed God. Brandon? Okay. Um, a lot of people think of patience when they think of the book of Job. Okay. Job, was he a patient guy? Okay. Um, another, another one that you, you may not think of is, is uh, uh, unfair. Was it, was it fair what he went through? Humanly speaking. Let me rephrase that. Humanly speaking, was it fair? No. But God knows best. Uh, a lot of people think of, quote unquote, friends. <laughs> but but I, I'm going to tell you, 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 do you, and this is just weird, weird old me. You know what I think of when I think of, the, you know, first thing that pops in my head when I think of Job? Blisters. How many of you no, have no idea what I'm talking about when I say blisters. Okay, well, you'll figure it out soon enough, okay? We'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Most people, saved and unsaved, have heard of Job and, and his suffering and his patience. And <clears throat> But for the most part, they do not understand why Job had Job went through what he went through. See, the whole question of the book of Job is not what he went through, but why did he go through it? So, <clears throat> why did Job go through what he went through? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard the statement, or have you ever made the statement, you cannot understand what I'm going through because you've never been there. We've all said it, thought it, or heard it. Am I right? So, why? I've asked myself, many times why I've had to go through some of the heartache and some of the difficult situations that my wife and I have gone through in the last 37 years. And as I was sitting, preparing and thinking and praying about this message tonight, I went back to a hospital room at Renown where Rolando and Cassie sat having just lost their child.
God prepared us. I believe for that encounter 30-some years earlier when we sat in the hospital having been told the very same thing. We often wonder why. I don't have an answer to every why. You may not know for 30 years. You might not even know this side of heaven. As we embark on this study, I want to prepare you. Trials will come. They've even already started, right, ladies? <laughs> Many of us will go through the furnace of suffering during the study. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, it says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season... If need be, ye are in heaviness uh, through manifold temptations, that the trying that, but, excuse me, that the trial of your faith, being more precious than gold, that uh, perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Our our Suffering does not go in for no reason. I want to look at two phrases here. The first one, that the trying of your faith being more precious than gold that perisheth. As I was sitting and reading and, and reflecting on, on that particular passage, again, I went back to the hospital with Rolando and Cassie that night. the hurt that we had experienced some 30-some years earlier had prepared us for that event. And at that particular time and at that particular moment, that suffering we had gone through some 30 years earlier was worth every minute. It was worth more than gold. If I had walked into the emergency room that day and said, hey, I've got $600,000 for you, here you go, it would not have relieved an ounce of pain. But because my wife and I had been through a very similar situation, we could comfort. That's priceless. I hope you guys aren't mad at me. <laughs> Don't be tried with fire. Think about that phrase, though it be tried with fire. You know, they call it trials and struggles and suffering for a reason. 
Many of us, and me too, have been excited about the study in the book of Job because I, I've never really had opportunity to dig deep into this book. And I'm looking forward to it. But I'm here to tell you, I'm, I'm scared to death at the same time. Job said of himself, and this, is, this is, goes back to the song we just sang, Job chapter 23, verse 10. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, after God has put me through the struggle, I shall come forth as gold. See, you can't, you can't be as good as gold without going through the fiery furnace. You can't do it. I believe the book of Job was written for two reasons. And, and you may could come up with more, but I came up with two. And that is, the first one is so that we can learn patience and grow in our faith through trials. Because if we can put into perspective the trials and the struggles that we go through, it will grow our faith. The second reason I believe that God wrote the book of Job is so that we can learn how to help other people go through trials and help them grow their faith. I believe that that is the purpose of the book of Job. And Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also uh, we have access by faith uh, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not, and, and not only so, but we glory in what? Is Paul on drugs? No, he, he says we glory in tribulation. Why? Because it's those, tribu it's those events that, that stretch us and grow us. And, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience uh, experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us let me ask you a question do you want hope in your life then be prepared because like Job says I shall come forth as gold what is the progression that Paul talked about here in Romans? Tribulation brings patience. Patience, experience, experience, hope. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. Do you want to live your life wanting nothing? 
Wouldn't it be great to wake up one day and say, you know what, I've got everything that I need and be perfectly content in every way. Well, guess what? It starts by the tribulations. Learning how to work through these hard, difficult times. We are surrounded by people that need Jesus Christ. We are surrounded by people that uh, are going through incredibly difficult times. People that need us to hold their hands and help them grow in their faith in Jesus. We, we have people all around us that need God. But when, when God brings trials into our lives, when God brings struggles into our lives, oftentimes we are the ones that run away saying, no, God, no, I can't handle it. I don't want to deal with this. And we forfeit the opportunity that God gives us to do a great work in our lives. I have a question for you. Think about this before you answer. If one person gets saved because you endured a horrendous trial, would it be worth it? See, it's easy on this side of the trial to say yes. And it may be easy on the other side of the trial to say yes. But is it easy in the trial? The title of my message very cleverly is The Man Named Job. <laughs> Aren't you impressed? <clears throat> Yeah, I'm not like some pastors that come up with these clever titles and all that stuff. The book of Job is considered by every theologian I've ever read to be the oldest book in the Bible. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure, I, again, I've never read any theologian that has contradicted that thought. No one knows who the author is. Although, my reading and my study, most that I read believe it was Moses. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. Nobody knows, but most believe it was Moses. Okay, I have a question for you. Why is the oldest book in the Bible in the middle of the Bible? Okay, I think, Brandon, you already know. I'm. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, Brandon. It's it's one of the poetical books, and it, it's the poetical books are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Those are all the poetical books. So the Bible, if you didn't know this, is not done chronologically. Okay, it is it is grouped by by different groups, and 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 you're right that it's there because it is considered a poetical book. Now, having said that, this book is packed with theology. Okay? So, so please don't, don't think that it's, we're not going to learn anything because we're going to learn a bunch. Critics often argue that the book of Job is not real and that, that Job was a, um, a, 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 how do you say that? Yeah, fictional. Yeah, well, I have a better word for it. Uh, 
allegorical, that's the word, uh, or, or fictional character. <clears throat> but I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that the book of Job is not religious fiction. Okay, in fact, we're going to start off with point number one, the man Job. Let's read verse one. <clears throat> Job chapter one, verse one. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and the man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Let's pray. Excuse me. Dear Lord, thank you again for this time together. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I ask as we embark on this study of the book of Job that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us, that you would grow us and to be more like you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I want to start with <clears throat> the one, two, three, the fourth word in the, the, the book of Job. What is that word? Man. He's a man. The word man in Hebrew, I meant to give you guys a slide for it and I forgot. Uh, it's, it, it is the Hebrew word ish, which literally means a human male being. Okay, so God identifies him right out of the gate as a real person. We also have other evidence of it in Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14. Uh, uh, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and who? Job. So again, he's identified as a man. Uh, we're in it, uh, and, and so on and so forth. In James chapter 5, verse 11, says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. We have heard of the patience of Job. Again, he's identified in the Old and New Testament. <clears throat> so, because he is a real person, just like you and me, we cannot dismiss the experiences that he went through. See, if we can write it off as, as he is allegorical, I like that word. Doesn't that make me sound smart? Um <laughs> You know, if we could blow it off and say, oh, that's just a fairy tale and blah, 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 then it, 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 it lessens or it diminishes greatly our responsibility. But he is a real man, and he had real struggles just like you and me. Uh, when he stubbed his toe, his toe hurt. When he... Everything about him was real. I have a question for you. <clears throat> this kind of goes back to your uh, estimation of the book of Job. When did Job live? Now, now before you answer this, and it's not a trick question, um, to be perfectly honest, I had no idea. I was kind of like you. I thought it was like almost prehistoric, pre pre-flood or whatever, you know. Uh, back with the caveman. No, I'm teasing. Um, uh, I, I didn't know. I had no idea. But it's important that we kind of know when Job lived. Any anybody know or have a clue? Okay. 
Did you did you did you look that up? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, it's close. That, that's close. My study is a little different. Okay, uh, a lot of the a lot of the theologians believe um, that he he lived in the time of Abraham. He that that he was uh, um, contemporary contemporary with Abraham. But I don't believe that that I don't believe that to be true. Again, again, this is my opinion. Okay, I believe that he lived around. 1700 BC, after sometime between uh, the from uh, Jacob to Moses. So that by 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 knowing this, why why is this so important? It's so important because if we can put a time frame on Job, there again it, he becomes more real to us. You know, this is not a a pre-flood guy who 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 lived back in the Garden of Eden. This is a guy who, it wasn't that long ago, relatively speaking. Look at verse 8, and I'll explain why I believe it was not, he was not a contemporary with Abraham. In verse 8, this says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Now, I believe God would not have written verse 8 had Abraham been alive. Because what was Abraham? He was a man like that. So, so that's my, again, that's why my reasoning why I believe that he was closer to Moses' time than Abraham's time. So, anyway, again... <clears throat> It's important we understand this because, well, let, let me ask you another question. If I'm right, and I'm probably not, but if I am, and he lived around 1700 B.C., where were the children of Israel? They were in Egypt because Moses hadn't come on the scene yet. So, Where did this man learn to love God? We don't know. I personally believe he was a descendant believer of Abraham. I, but again, that's just my opinion. Okay, so the second thing I want to talk about, number two, is the place. The land of Uz. Okay, I got a picture here for you. Where is Uz? Well... Most, again, most theologians believe that Uz was in the land of Edom. And the reason why is because um, Lamentations chapter 4, verse 21 says, Rejoice and be glad, O daughters of Edom, that dwell in the land of Uz. Okay, now one of Job's friend uh, friends, a guy named Eliphaz, was a uh, Temanite. Okay, in Job chapter two, verse eleven, it says, "Now when Job's three friends heard of all 
uh, this evil that was come upon him, uh, he came, uh, uh, everyone from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite. Okay, you see that? Okay, again, so what? Well, it just so happens that the Tenemites and Edomites are related. In Genesis chapter 36, verse 11, the son of Eliphaz, <clears throat> the, the sons of Eliphaz were what? Teman. The Temanites. So, it is very, very possible that you could be sitting there right now, your head spinning a little bit, thinking, so what? What is the big deal? Well, actually, it is a huge deal. Because if we can establish that he was a real man, just like you and me, who lived in a real place, just like we do, then he had to deal with sin and circumstances and people just like we do. It is absolutely vital that we understand that this is a real guy from a real place that had problems just like you and me. He had flesh just like you and me. He had stupid friends just like you and me. <laughs> and he had a wife. I better stop. <clears throat> I better stop at that one. I do want to talk about the character of the man for just a minute because, because this is really super critically important as well. In verse 1, let's read verse 1 again. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. God uses four words to describe the character of this man. Now, I was challenged in my thinking that if God decided to write a book of Rick, would these four characteristics be listed in my in my description. I doubt it. Lazy. Good for nothing. Sinner. I could think of a lot of adjectives that would how God would describe me. I hope and pray that faithfulness and some of these things would be added in my life. But before we move on, I want, I want you to just stop and think for a second. If God was going to write a book about your life, oh, and by the way, he is, what would be the four characteristics he would say about you? Point number one, or the first characteristic, he says he's perfect. The word perfect here in Hebrew is exactly the same as it is in, in Greek. And it doesn't mean perfect in the sense that he was sinless. That, that is not what this word means at all. Uh, again, well, in, 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 in Greek, when it uses the word perfect, in fact, um, uh, 
we, we read it in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, um, <clears throat> that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So, uh, what is, in, in, it's, it's two different words, but they both have the same meaning in Hebrew and Greek. So what does it mean when the Bible says, uses the word perfect to describe someone? Mature. Or what's another word? Complete. Okay? Um, somebody who, who, who is mature, well-rounded. Somebody who is complete. So he, what he's saying here about Job is that, is that he, he, was, he, was, he was mature in his manhood if you would. In the passage we just read in James chapter 1, what is the end result of somebody who is perfect or mature? Do you see it? We talked about it earlier. Wanting nothing. Somebody who is, excuse me, perfectly content. Perfectly content. So in other words, Job was someone who was perfectly content. And, and, and okay, okay, stop, stop the bus, Pastor. Back it up, baby. We got a problem here. Okay. Now, how many of you have read the end of the story of the Book of Job? Okay. We most of us have. Most of us are sitting there thinking, "Wait a minute. All right, Pastor. That's this ain't washing." Because we know Job was content because he was rich. Right? We all know that, right? Job had everything. That's why he was content. If that is your answer, you just got a big fat F on your, on your test. How do you do it? How do you do F? That's an F? You just got a big fat F on your test. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with what? Silver. Nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Contentment has nothing to do with money. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with what? Contentment is great gain. So what is contentment? Contentment is an attitude of the heart, not of the pocketbook. But what happens? We live in a world today that says you cannot be content until you drive a brand new car or until you have this kind of house or until you have 4.3 children. Or, or fill in the blank. The world is constantly bombarding us with things that you, hey, if you deserve this. Job, God is saying here, Job is content. Secondly, he is described as being upright. The word upright <clears throat> literally means to be straightforward or to be honest. He was a man of his word, so to speak. 
In the New Testament, it would be equivalent to the word blameless. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, it says, And, uh, and let these also first be pro- proved, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Does that mean that a deacon has to be perfect? What does, okay, we've talked about this multiple times. What does the word blameless mean? Brandon? Okay, it literally means that nothing will stick. That is the, the, a, a direct translation of the word. In other words, when somebody lobs accusations at you, they just bounce off. Nothing will stick. And that is the word that describes this man Job. Nobody in the community thought ill of him, or at least they could not make accusations stick because he was so upright. He was so honest in his dealings. Nobody could point a finger at Job and say, you cheated me. You, 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 bought a, you bought a lamb from me and you cheated me. Nobody could point their finger at Job and say, you, you ever did this or you did that. What about us? Are our, 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 our business dealings as honest as Job's? Third thing that we see is that he feared God. The word fear here uh, goes everything to talking about reverence or the fact that he was a devoted follower of God. He feared God or he he was a, a devoted follower. He walked with God. In Matthew chapter 22 verses 33 and following it says, and when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine, but when the uh, Pharisees had heard that he had put the, the, the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law. Well, we just read the life of Job. This was a man who loved God with all of his heart. He feared God. He worshipped him. He was a devoted follower of God. We see that he was mature, he was honest, and he was godly. And then we see that he eschewed evil. Now, this is one of these Old Testament Bible words that we often don't understand. Anybody know what the word eschewed means? Okay, we, we think of, okay, we think of shooing flies. That's how I've always kind of, you know, just shooing flies. That, that's how I have always pictured it. Anybody else? Okay, uh, yeah, that kind of would, would fall into, into, into it. 
to shun, flee from it. It literally means, it literally means to turn aside or to depart. That, that, that's, exact, that, that's what it means. To eschew evil means to turn away from or to depart from evil. In other words, he would have nothing to do with evil. You could, you know, if, if, you know, we live in a society that tells us to tolerate everything. And I can guarantee the society he lived in taught him the same thing because nothing is new under the sun. And the same sins you struggle with, he struggled with. But he eschewed evil. He turned away from evil. I found something very interesting, at least it was to me, so I thought I'd share it with you. In Judges chapter 16, verse 20, it says, uh, She saith, the, uh, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke up out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was, what? Eschewed. It's the same Hebrew word. Departed from him. Just as the Holy Spirit departed and would have nothing to do with Samson. Job had the same attitude towards sin. But what do we do? We flirt with it. God says, there's a line right here, and that line is sin. Don't cross that line. So what do we do? As Christians, we get as close to the line as we can and say, okay, God, I am not sinning. Is that a shooing? No. No, that's taunting. A shooing would say, hey, I'm going to stand way back over here. I'm going to have nothing to do with that. I want to make one thing perfectly clear. Job was not a superhero Christian. In fact, let me ask you, is there such thing as a superhero Christian? No. Job was a man who lived in a real place who struggled with sin just like you and I do. In closing, I want to give you some some things that we can take away from this opening introduction, if you would, to the book of Job. Hopefully, you will take away the fact that you can be mature wanting nothing also. There is nothing, there's not a characteristic that we are going to read about this man Job that you cannot possess also. You can be mature and you can live your life wanting nothing, being perfectly content. Number two, you can be honest and blameless also. Number three, you can fear God. You can worship God. You can walk with God just like Job did. You say, but pastor, that, no, you don't know. Yes, I, you know, 
We can make excuses all day long, but the the reality is clear and true. You can walk with God just like Job. As hard as it may sound, you can also have nothing to do with sin. Say, but pastor, we're surrounded by it. Yeah. Do you think Job lived in a bubble? No. Job was surrounded by sin just like us because if the time frame is right, it was between Jacob and Moses. What was going on in the, in the world then? The children of Israel were in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. For all tens and purposes, the religious world was kind of a, in a free-for-all. There was no dominant person other than Job who was living for God. What is God, God says in, in verse 8, you are the only, or well, he was talking to Satan, but he's saying, Say, Job is the only one living for me. Job is the only one. Now, sure, there were probably, quote-unquote, other Christians or other believers, but Job was the only one who was totally dedicated to God. And you cannot convince me that he did not struggle with with the, the sins of the world. Because I'm here to tell you, the richer you get, guess what? The more temptations come your way. Some of the happiest people I've ever met in my life are people that have nothing. We too can live the same life. We currently can come up with all kinds of excuses why we cannot live like Job. But I promise you, by the end of the study, All those excuses will be gone. 